0: yeah welcome to the compass podcast featuring chris chandro and the compass team we hope this message is just for you so i am so excited to talk to you it's been a minute since i got to talk because chris likes to talk all the time i don't know what's up with that but guess what it's his birthday on tuesday and babe i'm so glad you were born Yeah, everybody send him a card, he's great, okay. Um, So we are starting our new series today, Love Won't Let Me Down, and we're talking about the perfect love of God, right? So, okay, when I was a little girl, it was very, a very frequent occurring, actually, Dad, are you in here? Dad, Dad, come here. Okay, so this is my dad, he's coming, and this is Larry Wright, if you haven't met him, this is my dad. Yeah, okay, so it was a regular occurrence when I would be places that they, like, or if I came to like a work event or something or something, people would be like, oh, you look just like your dad. You're the spitting image of your dad. And I remember as a kid being like, thinking like, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. But this is my dad and I look like him, I'm told. And so we have the same eyes. Same eyes. Yes, we like, um, and I got my ability to tell a very embellished like story, story. here's a storyteller. Yeah, he loves coffee, I got that from my dad. Anyway, dad, I love you, I look look like you. Okay, (laughs) go sit down. Okay, so our biology, right, um, will kind of dictate if you look like one parent or another, but how do we, because we wanna be a mirror image, we wanna be a reflection of our perfect heavenly father. And the way that we are gonna do that is we're gonna spend time with him and know what he's about and know what he likes and become more like that. And so in the spirit of and in the thought process of we wanna look like our heavenly father, like that is where we're coming uh, to this message that I wanna bring to you today. And we're gonna look at one of the Psalms And in this psalm, it lays out kind of the characteristics of God. Now, In the past series, we just talked about the Bible for grownups. We talked about, you know, the Old Testament, which the Psalms are in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was all written, and all of that is pointing forward to a savior that's coming, pointing forward to to Jesus, right? And so we know that all of this is pointing forward to him. Of course, the gospels, the story of, you know, where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's all the story of Jesus, you know, right now, saving us here right now, and everything after that was written pointing back to the event of Jesus, of his death and his resurrection. And so we, we wanna know the context of this. And so it's the Old Testament, it's pointing forward to Christ, okay? So who wrote this psalm? Well, I'm glad you asked. It was King David. And David um, was the king of Israel. And when he's writing this psalm, he is coming out of a spot in life where he actually, the scripture says that he was angry at God and he was afraid of God. And so let me give you a little context of what has transpired. Okay, so then we have to go back even further. I know this is such a like, Bible history lesson, but you gotta bear with me. I think it's really good, okay. Would you put up the picture of the Ark of the Covenant? Would you put that up? Oh, isn't it beautiful? Okay, so this is the Ark of the Covenant. And David, um, he was going to go and transport the Ark of the Covenant Um, into Israel. Now, just a little history on this. The Ark of the Covenant, um, God, when He gave Moses the Ten Commandments and how He's supposed, to, how they're all supposed to live, um, He He gave him very clear instructions on how the ark should be made and how the Levites should be the ones that you know tend to it and move it and it should be moved you know using those poles. Nobody should ever touch it, and it was going to be where the presence of the Lord was. Okay, and so when they would, as a matter of fact, when Moses would lead. Uh, when they would, were gonna move in the desert, right? Um, there would be a pillar of cloud by day, or cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and that was over where the ark was. It was God's presence. And when they would move, when they would lift the ark, you know, Moses would say, you know, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And then when they would when, the, when they would stop, he would say, oh Lord, return to Israel, and, the, and then the ark would be put down. And, And when they settled, okay, the ark was kept in a tabernacle, which was this special tent, right? And it had an inner room uh, where the ark was and then there was an outer room room, an outer court, and the, and the priests did most of their work in the outer room. Only once a year would they go into that inner room, the, they call it the holy of holies, right? And to go in there, they would do sacrifices. You had to do all this stuff, like sacrifices, like killing animals and using blood. It's gross, right? But they would have to sacrifice these animals before they would go in once a year into the presence of God, into where the ark was. As a matter of fact, to make sure just in case they didn't do it right or there was like Like, like just to be safe, they would tie um, a cord around the priest's ankle, and he would walk in and do the thing, you know, go into the Holy of Holies, because if you weren't, if you didn't do it right, if you hadn't done all the things that God had instructed you to do, you could just drop dead at his presence, like, and they they could drag you out and be like, we'll try again next year, sorry. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. So, but it was like, like God's presence there in the ark, right? And... So what has happened is the ark was, was taken in battle by the Philistines, okay? And the Philistines have the ark, and they're like, yeah, we have the ark. But wherever the ark was, there was, like, sickness and, like, so, like, the word, I, I don't even remember what the word was in the Bible because I've like looked it up and basically they had these really crazy hemorrhoids, like the whole place, awful. And then rats were like attacking, it's terrible. I know I said that in, in church, gross, okay. But then, and then they put the, when they put it in with one of their gods, like they came in the next morning and the statue of their god was on the ground and the head was off and the hands were off and they were like, and they were like, and they were just terrified by the thing and they're like put it back put it back take it back to israel so they like give it back and so david i know this is so i know such a long story i'm such a girl telling the story right now okay but david is going to go get the ark and he's going to bring it back to israel and when they do that they go to get the ark and they're like woohoo and like god had given instructions like you're going to ca- the levites are going to carry it they're going to carry it on the poles nobody's to touch it okay cool well David's just excited and they're excited to go get the ark and they get this, they build a new cart and, they're, and they go and they put, they put the ark on the cart and they start traveling and everybody's partying. Woo, we got our ark, yeah. And then the oxen kind of stumbles and the cart tips and a guy named Uzzah reaches up and touches the ark, puts his hand on the ark to steady it and he drops dead right there and the party ends. Like, right? And David is just like, he's so upset, and he's mad at God, and he's questioning all this, and he's fearful, and so he leaves the ark at this guy's house named Obed-Edom, and he's just like, he's like, I'm just going to leave it here, I'm not bringing it here, and he's like, God, how, could I even, how can I even have the ark, how can I even handle it, how can I even do this? And so there's three-month period there where the ark is at Obed-Edom's house, and the Bible says that Obed-Edom was blessed. His household was blessed abundantly and it was so clear that the presence of God was there and the favor of the Lord was there. And so, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been like, hey God, I'm kind of mad and I don't get this and my perspective on this is like, just I call no fair, this is stupid and I'm kind of mad at you and I'm kind of afraid of you. Have anybody ever been there, or is it just Terry Shandro? Yeah? Okay, see, yeah, I know, we're, we're, we're friends, we got this. Okay, so, so this is where David is, and in that time, he, you know, is going to the Lord, and they don't, we don't have it written down here where it says, and God and David, you know, made up or whatever, but we know that God revealed himself in a new way to David. See, David doesn't have the perspective that we do. He's in the middle of his story, right? And, and like, Jesus hasn't come yet, right? So when Jesus comes, he's the sacrificial lamb for all of us. So we don't have to have all these rites and rituals to get into the presence of God. We just, because of what Jesus did, we just come on in and we're like, Father, I need your help. And we don't have to jump through all the hoops, right? So David hasn't seen that. He's just in his place in history. But we know that he's had a fresh revelation of who his father God is because he decides that it's time to go get the ark and he has them handle it their proper way. And he writes this psalm and that with celebration and joy, they bring the ark back into Jerusalem. And so <laughs> I just am so excited because what God revealed to David and the things that he shares here really, really, Show us and tell us the heart of our Father God. So, with all of that set up, let's get to it. Okay, it's Psalm 68, and I'm gonna start reading in verse 3. He says, Let the godly rejoice, let them be glad in God's presence, let them be filled with joy, right? This is like the first evidence of church should be fun. God fills us with joy. His heart is for us to have joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord, rejoice in his presence. This is so cool because seeing loud praises to him who rides on the clouds, that's kind of a a foretelling, a foreshadowing of Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the one who rides on the clouds. Jesus was the one who was gonna come and and save us all and make it so that we could have access to the Father. So this is kind of a a cool thing. And and it also could be translated, not just he who rides on the clouds, but it also could be translated um, to him who rides through the desert, right? So who's like throwing back to when they were in the desert and they're following the the ark and they're following, you know, God's presence there. He's the one who rides through the deserts. And this is who, this is as David writes, he's telling us what is the father God like. And he, he is father to the fatherless, defender of the widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy. This is who he is. This is who God is. He is, father, he is father to the fatherless, defender of widows. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. All right, let's break this down. Who is God? Well, he's the one who rides on the clouds. He rides through the desert, protecting and leading his children. That's who he is. He's also father to the fatherless and defender of widows. This is who he is. If you do not have a good relationship with your father, or if you are fatherless, let me tell you, Your heavenly father sees you and you have an extra special place in his heart because he is the father of the fatherless and the defender of widows. So if that's either of you, that's you, your heavenly father loves you and you have a special place in his heart. I love this next one. God places the lonely in Families. Do you know that it is your heavenly father's, like his will for you, his hope for you, his plan for you is that you have community, that you have family. Somebody here probably is going through a lonely little spot here in life. And I want you to highlight this verse. I want you to put it on your mirror and I want you to claim it in faith. God puts the lonely in families. And you start looking for your family. You start looking for who needs a family because God places the lonely in families. That is his heart, it's who he is. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. He has a heart. For the outcast. He has a heart for the people who've blown it, right? He has a heart also that you would not be prisoner to any addiction. And so I want you, if you are battling something, if you've got a struggle that is just like wrecking your life and you feel prisoner to it, I want you to highlight this in your Bible, put this on your mirror. He sets the prisoner free and he gives them joy. That is your father's plan for you. Now this last one, this seems like it's kind of the grumpy old man God again. But look, he says, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And you're like, okay, well that's kind of like, yeah, scary, mean God. But I say no, look at it, look at it. He makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He lets us, when we rebel against him, he lets us live in a desert, right? He lets us, like, okay, you don't want me in your life. That's fine. I'll let you go on your own way. Because, but look at the very beginning. The very first thing he does is he rides through the desert. So the whole thing, he doesn't cast us out into a sun-scorched land because he's just like, I'm mad at you, I hate you, and you deserve what you get. Go live in the desert. Now he lets us to live in the desert so that we can call out to him because he's the God who rides through the desert wanting to redeem us, wanting to bring you to right relationship with him. You may think that you're done with God and you're like, see ya, but I want you to know that he is not done with you. He loves you too much and he is gonna ride through the desert and he is going to pursue you. He is that good and he loves us that much. So David has this new awareness of the heart of God, this new revelation of what makes him tick, who he is. And I feel like for us in this moment that it's time for Compass to really embrace that. After We want to be after the heart of God. We want to be about what he's about. I feel like our Heavenly Father is calling us to action. That part where it says, he places the lonely in families. He places the lonely in families. He's calling Compass Church to action. First, I believe that he is calling us to open our circles to people around us who need people. They need friends, they need family. He places the lonely in families. So he's calling us to like get out of our little circles and to let other people in. But I also believe that he is calling us to more. As you know, we have had the foster tree every year since Compass has begun and we have had a soft spot in our heart for children who are in foster care. And it has been amazing to see every gift request met every year after year. God has blessed it. He's multiplied it and he has given us a relationship with DCFS and with CYFS. And I feel like He's asking us for more, to go a little deeper. And so I'm gonna share with you some statistics, and we're gonna take a long, hard look at the reality of foster care right now. So here we go, get ready. It's ugly, okay? (laughs) All right, so uh, the first bit of statistics um, are from Backyard Orphans and they're an organization um, that tries to bring awareness um, of the foster care crisis to churches. Um, and the, according to uh, them, there is there are 140 million orphans in the world, okay? And like, the heartbeat of God is orphans and widows, right? In James, he's, James wrote, you know, that the true religion test is how do you treat the orphans and widows? But 400 uh, million just seems like, or 140 million just is so many, it's like, okay, well, I can't do anything about that. Whatever, it's kind of num- mind numbing. But did you know that there are 400,000 orphans in the United States, which is still a lot? But this number should give us hope. In the United States, there are approximately 350,000 churches in the US. Like this right here shows us the church could make a massive difference in the lives of orphans in the United States. If every church would take the heartbeat of God for orphans and make it what they're about. Like this is, let's cake. With that, if every church got involved, there would be a day where there would be more families waiting for kids than kids waiting for families. We can flip it. According to the Forgotten Initiative which is a local, I mean, you guys, I love the Forgotten Initiative. Uh, they are here local, and they started about the same, t- same time Compass did. We've kind of taken this journey together, and they've opened roads, uh, doors with us with uh, the agencies and helped us know how we can help the foster care community. Can't say enough good things about them. There are, according to them, there are 250,000 children who enter the foster uh, care system every year. Okay, and of those kids, 100,000 more, 100,000 plus, are ready to be adopted. Like you don't have to like wait for the like parents to give up their rights. Like they're just ready, like they are ready and waiting to be adopted. And this one, there are 20,000 plus that age out of the foster care system every year. 20,000 age out. No more foster home, and they don't have a family. And it's just like, okay, good luck. And according to Foster Care 2.0, 80% of prisoners in our prisons have spent time in the foster care system. I didn't put it up, but there's a statistic that About 18 months after being released out of uh, the foster care system, most of them enter into uh, the court system. Individuals in foster care are diagnosed with PTSD six times that uh, of the general population and double the rate of veterans returning from war. It's no wonder, right? Can you imagine? I got a call this week. The PTSD thing made me think of this. But I got a call this week from my contact at DCFS. And there's a gal, um, she's a 15-year-old girl, and she is here. And her, she lived out of state, lived with her grandmother her whole life. Grandma has been incarcerated. So she moved to our county to live with her birth mom, who she hadn't met that she could recall. Birth mom has said, I mean, after just a very short amount of time said, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want this, I'm signing away my rights. And so they called me to say, hey, do you know anyone who could take a 15 year old girl? She has such stress um, that whenever um, she gets upset about something, she has seizures and so the, Um, foster like so her mom has signed her away she's got put into a foster care situation but because of her seizures and all the doctor's appointments the foster placement that she has said I can't take this I can't take off work all this time I need you to come get her and so they're trying to not have to put her in a group home and they're looking for someone to take a 15 year old girl who has like crazy anxiety that gives her seizures and she's here And do I know anybody? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, this last one is, uh, okay, 100,000 children, it's estimated that 100,000 children in the United States are sex trafficking victims. And 60% of them were in the foster care system. Central Illinois has 5,928 children in foster care and 183, which that's not right, or in McLean County, that's not right because we've got more gift requests than that, but their numbers are static and I'll forgive them for that. You guys, the, like these statistics just show us that literally providing loving foster care It takes care of orphans, it fights human trafficking, and it does preemptive prison ministry all in one. Like that's better than any missionary we've ever had come and give their spiel about why we should support them overseas. Like right now, if you will provide a loving, good foster home. Caring for orphans, fighting human trafficking and doing preemptive prison ministry. God's calling us to more. So what we know, what, what is Compass doing, right? Well, we've, we've got the foster tree, we've been doing that. That's been awesome. We've been doing the DCFS Halloween party where we actually have the foster families coming into our house and we get to encourage them and encourage those parents who are taking these kids in and we get to speak life over those kids as they come in and get candy and play games. We've sent volunteers to Royal Family Kids Camp, a summer camp for local children in foster care. When I was at Royal Family Kids Camp two years ago, I got to be the Bible teacher. It was very cool and I was up there and I I was never obviously in foster care. I had a good home growing up, but we did move a lot. And so I was sharing my story and I was like, you guys, when I was a kid, we moved 14 times. And this kid stands up and he's like, me too. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you, I see you. And then I was like, and you know, in fifth grade, my dad's job changed and so we had to move and I went to three schools in fifth grade alone. And this kid's like, I went to three schools last year, me too, and I'm like, yeah, I feel you, man. And like, God just broke my heart for this little guy. So I got in touch with his caseworker and I was just like, hey, I just want you to know if there's anything that comes up this kid needs, would you just take my number down and put it in the file? Sure, whatever, and I thought, well, they're, they're not going to. Well, a few months ago, we got a call, and honestly, I had kind of let the whole thing kind of, you know, you're like, oh, that's a good thing I'm gonna do, and then you don't ever get around to quite doing it. Well, DCFS called and said, hey, we've got this kiddo. Your number's in his file, and his foster home is having a rough spot. They just need a respite break. Would it be possible for him to come stay at your house this weekend? And I was like, okay. And so they, DCFS came to my house the very next day and did inspection and okay, okay. And, and so he came and he spent the weekend with us and we did respite care and that was cool. And, but we were like, okay, he slept on the couch in the living room and he kind of needs his own space, but we don't have a bedroom, or whatever. And then I looked and there's my laundry room, right? And my laundry room is just like, well, you can't really, like a laundry room's nothing. But then I looked and there's all this space that's just full of junk. Anybody got a junk room? Okay, well, I took, and we're like, let's get rid of, and so we got rid of all this stuff. And we cleaned it up, and Chris built a bed, and we built a closet and a little space. And so now when he comes for respite, there's a place, and people from the church have given me clothes, so I've got clean clothes for him when he comes, and and they gave me an Xbox, so that he's got an Xbox to play on when he's here. And so we're just like, okay, well, we can do respite care. And so... I'm just asking you, I feel like God's calling us to more and I'm not like, God's calling us to more, so you all need to go foster, do foster care. You need to do that. I'm saying, we're doing this and would you come along? And we're taking this small step of of respite care. And would God maybe be opening your heart to the idea of making place, making a space in your home whether for respite care or to, to do long-term foster care placement. I called the, uh, the they, they actually, DCFS needed a place to do foster care training here in Bloomington that doesn't charge them anything. And I was like, oh, I know a place. <laughs> and so next week they're going to come and they're going to walk through our building and decide if it's a good spot to do training for foster parents. So we're gonna make our space available. And I'm gonna let y'all know when we're doing it because if God has moved on your heart, I'm gonna provide the space for you to get trained so you can do all the things that you need to do. And we're gonna do it together. So I don't know, I just, God's calling us to more. So we're stepping out and just doing the thing that's in front of us. And I just ask if you would, open your heart to that when we started compass i remember when we we're dreaming you know we'll talk about our dreams and chris will be like i want to plant a church within the first five years of compass and i was like that's so scary but we did we planted nexus and that was awesome It was a big god dream and i was talking with him recently and i was like what if what if we had a day where compass church 40 percent of our people we're doing respite care or foster care he's like that's scary and i'm like oh yay, i scared you i'm sorry he always scares me but i just i just feel like god's calling us to more stand up and let's pray i'm so encouraged i know that there's there's a lot of kids who need homes but i know that god moves mountains and I know that he moves on your hearts. And so I'm excited to see where he's going to lead us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And I thank you, God, that you are the one who rides on the clouds with might and splendor. And you lead us through the desert. And you meet us where we are to bring us to relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who are here today and they feel like they need a family. They need community. And so, Lord, I pray that you would begin to open their eyes and open people's eyes and hearts around them, Lord, to let them have that. We know that is your heart. So, Lord, let Compass be a place where you can place the lonely in families. Open our eyes to the people around us, Lord, that that need us. And Father, we lift up all of the children in our county who are in foster care. Lord, I pray that you would raise up people to provide safe foster homes, loving places that will speak life over them. Lord, I pray for foster families that lead to adoptive families in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for the kids who are in group homes who feel discarded. And Lord, and if statistics prove they're just gonna end up in prison, God, I pray that you would rewrite their story, that that they would intersect with people in your church and that you would move mountains for them in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would turn the church's heart towards these kids nationwide. Lord, I don't want it to be just what Compass is known for. God, let it be Vail. Let it be Eastview. Let it be First Assembly. Let it be E Free. We are all your church. And Lord, we want to be about what you are about. So God, we just just say yes. Wherever you're leading, Lord, we say yes. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.